You're listening to Your Art Friends, Beth Radloff and Andrew Thompson. They're about to have a thoroughly unserious discussion about art. But don't worry, whether you're Da Vinci or the Worst, there's room on this palette for every color. If this is your first time listening to Creatives Brainstorm, be forewarned, because once you start looking at life like an artist, there's no undo button. You want to do a quick mind meld? Yeah. Before we start? Do you, we've done mind meld once before, right? The Where we both say a thing and then we keep saying things until we get on the same thing page. Oh, I think we might have done it one time. Let's do a mind meld. Yeah, let's do it. You ready? Yes. Okay. Three, two, one. Pancake. Light bulb. Pancake and light bulb. And then the next one, does it have to be related to... Yeah. So what you want to do is you want to take the idea of pancake and the idea of light bulb and find what one thing, one word thing is right in between those two things. Okay. And hopefully we are both on the same page. And if we're not, that's also really good. Okay. <laughs> There's no way to lose this game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Pancake and light bulb. Three, two, one. Butter. Kitchen. Butter kitchen. Three, two. One refrigerator. Fuck! I almost said refrigerator. (laughs) Oh, I was. I was. This was my. Oh, I should have said refrigerator. Okay, refrigerator and bread. bread. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Three, two, one. Toaster. Fuck. I feel like that counts. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrew. And And we're we're your your art art friends. friends. Let's hang out for the duration of the time code, yo. It's, as of recording this episode, March 1st. Happy Poonchki Day. What is that? Happy Poonchki Day, Andrew. You don't know what Poonchki Day is. Saying it more isn't going to make me know what it is. I, I told just just in like friendship conversation, I told him happy Punchki Day and he was like, I'm sorry, what? And I thought it was like a Midwest thing, but apparently it's more localized to Michigan. Oh, this is a Michigan thing. Okay. Yeah. So March 1st marks the beginning of the Catholic holiday Lent and our Polish immigrants in Michigan cook all of their sugar. So like the, the traditional thing is is uh, not eating sweets. And so what what the Polish people did is they made punchkis. They make these um, really, really, really sweet donuts and they're filled with whatever you want, man. There's the custard ones, the raspberry ones, the jam ones. It's not a jelly filled donut. It's a punchki and they're special. And there's only one day a year where you get them. Oh, OK. So it's. Just one day a year, like it's not like a week long thing that this, this is available. No, because Lent starts oh. tomorrow, baby. You can't have any more punchkis. You got to load up today. As a diabetic, I don't know how I feel about this day. Okay, so maybe punchki day is not the one to celebrate with Andrew Thompson. <laughs> but I'll happily wave the punchki flag for you and anybody else who wants to to partake. But I think it would be a bad idea if I partook. Gotcha. More punchkis for me then. I would happily give you mine. Thank you. Because moving out to Los Angeles, I don't have any punch. There's no punchkis out here. You're going to have to throw your own. Throw my own punchki. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we talking about this week? <laughs> We're not done with anime, my guy. <laughs> Who? How can anybody be done with anime? I don't think I will be done with anime until I'm dead. And perhaps even after that, I will still enjoy anime. Right? I'm going to be in an old folks home. And I'm just going to be like, fuck yeah, Naruto. I bet you will. 
I bet Naruto will stick with you. There's, we all have our forever boy. Mm-hmm. For Andrew, it's Naruto. For my husband, it's Goku. For me, it's Inuyasha. Yeah. I would say a close second and maybe very close to Naruto is Gundam Wing, specifically Duo Maxwell. You're a Gemini, so you get two. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah, we were just having so much fun last episode talking about anime that uh, we wanted to keep doing it. We wanted to keep it up. So sorry if we're redundant. It is a week in between recording sessions, and I don't remember anything that I said yesterday, let alone seven days ago. For me, man, moving and having a little puppy dog feels like last week was a month ago. Yeah, it's a lot has happened in the last week. I uh, did a small event at a magic at a magic event. So I went to a card shop and like set up my booth and everything. You did an event at an event? Yes, I did an event at an event. (laughs) Event (laughs) inception. Uh, I went and worked an event more accurately. Mm. How'd it go? It went well. It was just a one day thing. So I woke up really early, drove down there. It was an hour and a half away, set up my table, tournament started. And then I was there until about 7 p.m. And it was it was good, like, you know, solid one day event. It's nothing like a convention or anything to that scale. But, you know, for something that I could drive to and drive home at the end of the day, it was good. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes to like drive to some local thing in L.A. and put up shop. And my confidence is so low. (laughs) It would be fine. It would be cool. But like trying to imagine myself by myself at a table in a park. Like, please buy my birds. <laughs> I just love the idea of you just showing up to a random park and just setting up your convention booth without any, like, actual event going on there. Hello. Did I noticed that you're walking your dog. Would you like to buy a bird that says, oh, no, my, I hate that I have to pick up dog poop. <laughs> That's my artwork. You'd probably sell a few, actually. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a few people who would be like, yeah. They'll say, why don't they make smaller poop bags for small size dogs? That's what the bird would say. Because that's a, a frustration I have. Hey, guys, do you know how much my dog poops like three times a day? <laughs> and it's little tiny nuggets. It's little bitty buds, little poops. And I can fit two poops in one bag if I tie it in a strategic way. Oh. But I would rather just have little tiny poop bags. Do they sell those? Can I get I those? I have no idea, actually. That's what I should sell at the park. <gasps> New booth idea. Custom bags. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> it never fails that each week we see someone do something creative that makes us say, why didn't I think of that? So before we move on with the show, let's applaud those who did it first. I'm so curious because there are three words Andrew has written <laughs> next to his name for Wooda Tot. I love it. It's and so those great. words are shrimp fried rice. Yes. What? So if we click this link, it's a little little illustration of a shrimp and it has a chef hat and it has <gasps> a pan with rice in it. And it says, <laughs> You're telling me that a shrimp fried this rice? <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 and drawn till dawn good idea i like this has big um road work ahead i sure hope it does energy <laughs> right <laughs> you're telling this me is... a shrimp fried this first <laughs> i was just scrolling through twitter before we actually started recording and i already had a widow tie and then i saw this and i was like nope it's gotta be this <laughs> This one wins. Very good win to tat. 10 out of 10. I love it a lot. It makes me smile. Thanks. It makes me laugh. Well, let's check out yours. Yes, you can check out mine. Mine is a TikTok of uh, a technique. Oh, a painting artist. technique. You've seen this? Yes. Well, I've seen not this specific video, but I've seen this artist. And I fucking love watching the reveal of their art. Yes. And the reveal, what he's talking about, he does these really realistic paintings of like statues and goddess figures and things. uh, And he tapes off sunbeams and star and shapes and lasers and whatnot 
And that at the end of the painting, he peels all the tape back and it's very theatrical the way that he does it. Yeah. And it looks, it makes the painting go from cool painting to, oh my God. Yeah. Every time. It's, uh, it's so good. I, I put it in the same category of like the varnish porn videos where it's artists pouring varnish and like mm-hmm. putting it on their painting and it's just so pleasing to watch. Like it, it scratches that same itch in my brain. Truly. And like if you paint and you mask things off, then you know how it is to just put little bit of tapes down and then you peel the tape back and it feels really nice. But what he's doing is he has like an origin point where he mm-hmm. starts pulling the tape and all of the tape peels back from that origin point in a way that is entertaining to view. It's like a performance. It's like one of those head scratchers where you like put it over oh. your head. Like that is the feeling I get when I watch him peel those off. That's a perfect one to one. Yeah. It's so satisfying. So I see that. I see him put it together on TikTok and I think, I think, why didn't I think of that? We mentioned that we're going to talk about anime today, but specifically we're going to talk about how anime can teach us lessons about art. Uh, We're going to talk about some general ones and then we're going to talk about specific examples for both of us. But But first, (gasps) would you rather... Would you rather have a studio layout that changes each week, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse, or have one that is almost perfect except one glaring issue, but it can never change? Oh, oh, (laughs) it's forever. It changes every single week and I can't stop the changing. It has to change. Yep. And sometimes it it rules and sometimes it's bad. Yeah. Oh, God. You know what? (laughs) I'm really thinking about it. I'm really in my head about it. Because I do feel like every studio space I've ever put together is that second one where it doesn't change and there's always something that sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's always one problem that never gets solved. Um, But the reliability of that, while attractive, I like change i like challenge i like yeah. being forced to kind of re uh view the world in a different way periodically so i think i'm gonna go with number one oh, and nice. take the bad with the good it might help me b- build character you know that's fair i feel like it keep you on your toes keep you like adaptable definitely and i had a i had a history teacher mm-hmm who planted a piece of knowledge in my brain that I will always have for the rest of my life. I will carry this knowledge with me. And it's that he told us in teacher school, which I think he means college, but he would call it teacher (laughs) school, which is so fucking weird. This guy was a nut. (laughs) Teacher school. He told us in teacher school, they taught us that you have to get the students to change seats throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Because if you sit in the same place forever, you will stop learning as well. When you change your environment up, it re-engages the habit-forming process of the brain. Mm-hmm. And uh, that helps. That helps a lot when it comes to learning. So I believe him. I've seen it in myself. And I do it periodically. So I'm going to go with option one. Nice. And then if I can't find my paints, I guess it'll be a digital day. <laughs> Oh, God, I hadn't even thought about that. Like art supplies rearranging into different drawers and different things. Uh-huh. What if one of your like cabinets is turned away from you towards the wall so you can't even open it? Your desk and chair just against the wall so you can't even sit down. Wow. Wow. You. Thanks for taking the... Why didn't I think of... No, no. Oh, oh I said the wrong thing. <gasps> Oops. Thanks for taking the... Would you rather? Yeah, no That's problem. Weird. I came up with that the other day. I popped into your stream and you were working on your studio and you were talking about it. And I was like, oh, I have an idea. Yeah, I got in like a a mad mood last night where my husband was like, what do you want to do tonight? And I was like, clean, piss off. (laughs) (laughs) What are some lessons to be learned from anime? If I'm going off of uh, 
Naruto, which, you know, is my favorite. Uh, I love the compositions. And then I was just thinking about this with Cowboy Bebop. You've got Dutch angles. Art lessons. I see. I see. So we're not. Oh, we can do life lessons, too. Like in My Hero, Deku cries a lot and crying is really good. Yeah. Sailor Moon's friendship is important for your goals to be met. It's also important to remember to try to become the Hokage and really stay true to your ninja way. But what if I don't want to be the Hokage? That's okay. You can you can apply it to other things. I want to be the average everyday ninja. I want to be able to like live peacefully in society and use my ninja powers to like conveniently open jars. I don't even want to be a ninja. I just want to be a person in the village who like is an artist is or something protected else. protected by ninjas. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> There's a dude in Breath of the Wild, Zelda, and that's his whole jam. All he does is he wanders the world and he paints secrets. Yep. And you look at the painting and you're like, oh, I'll go there. And that's his job. And that's what I want my job to be. You see my paintings and go, hmm, yes, there's a hidden Snickers bar in that bush. <laughs> I, this is getting away from me. I also feel like anime tends to be more colorful than than a lot of um, Western comics. And I think color is really important in anime. It's so cool to- I was talking to someone on the Internet, which means I was probably just watching a YouTube video about this. <laughs> no, it was a it was a guy I was talking to an artist in real life, actually. And he was talking about value. High value, low value, specifically color values and how our generation, because Mm -hmm. we grew up watching color television, namely watching cartoons in big, vivacious, colorful, brightly lit Nerf gun advertisements. We are are naturally interested in more high key color schemes than the older generations, which uh, grew up with more of like earthy tones and black and white television. And they just didn't literally weren't exposed at a young age to the vibrancy that we were. Yeah. And anime is another one of the things that contributes to you and I and the rest of our generation just having a uh, aesthetic geared more towards bright colors. And yeah. so what's happening, movies and television still being made by older generations still doesn't have much of a vibrant color story associated with it, but slowly mm-hmm. and surely our generation is starting to get into the driver's seat of making content. Um, and it becomes so much more vibrant because of anime. It's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I immediately just thought of my mom talking about this one painting that I did a long ass time ago. That was very earth tones, very neutral. And she's yeah. just like, I just think you should make prints that. I just think it would sell so well. And then there's me <laughs> who's just like cotton candy, bright colors everywhere and being like, nah, Lemon, mom. lime, orange, pineapple. <laughs> Almost a highlighter art, okay? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think another really cool lesson to be learned from anime is stylization of characters and how to really push anatomy. Yeah, we touched on this last week, talking mm-hmm. about simplification and shorthand. Yeah. But that's uh, a huge strength of a good anime. Not all of them do this well. A lot yeah. of them are like, big head, big eye, tiny hands, what? <laughs> but then other ones will pick and choose when to overemphasize things. Mm-hmm. And also in the medium, ooh, I'm excited now. Also in the medium <laughs> of animation, yeah, choosing what to feature, what to make, uh, more bold, more beautiful, helps to f- kind of further the storytelling of a thing. Because when you render a human body and that mm-hmm. human body is trying to communicate something, let's say that the human body is playing Magic the Gathering. Yes, I'm invested. <clears throat> so I'm painting an image of a human man sitting at a table presenting a card and the, the action of the shot is the reveal of what that card is. Yeah, I'm going to pay so much attention to how the fingers how the hand and the fingers are caressing and placing that card. I don't care about what the other hand's doing. I don't care about what the shoulders are doing, what the torso, Mm -hmm. the legs. The face, always important, I would argue. Um, But most important is the action of that hand coming down. And so what anime chooses to do is to bolden those lines, to Mm -hmm. put a, a camera angle 
set it down near the table so that the hand is the largest thing in the shot. And to celebrate specifically the parts of the image that are meant to share the story. Mm -hmm. You describing that the whole thing, the whole time, all I could think of was Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh! Just the, like, like how the card bends like almost at a fucking 90 degree angle as he grabs the card with mm -hmm. two fucking fingers. That the is ritual. That's a thing that blows my mind is if you tell if you told a whole generation of kids like, hey, you're going to be really obsessed with this cartoon and they're going to be like, oh, what is it about? And you're going to be like a card game. Did you know? Hey, did you know that Yu-Gi-Oh is not like the original Yu-Gi-Oh manga is not about cards at all? Oh no, I didn't know that. Dude, fun fact! Fun fact! I got a fun fact for you. <laughs> Whoa, fun fact from from Beth. <laughs> uh, the manga of Yu-Gi-Oh is really fucking weird, and it wasn't mm -hmm. a card game. It was battle games. So Yugi and his buddies and whoever else, uh, every every chapter had them playing different games. Ooh. That overarching had a story, whatever. Um, what happened is when it got ad adapted to anime, um, the producers who were behind the scenes for putting together that children's television show were like, do something and stick to it. So they chose card games because they could develop a card game out of it and have this be like a multi-level marketing, money-making machine. So the anime is only about cards for that reason. That's... Huh, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. It kind of went the route of uh, Transformers where it was like, hey, let's make these toys. And then they're like, let's make a cartoon to basically that was the other way around. be an ad Dude, for it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the Transformers stuff was made. Uh, yeah. We decided that we wanted to sell Transformers to boys and then we made a cartoon to work as an advertisement for it. Yeah. Whereas Yu-Gi-Oh! was made as a a comic series that then got turned into a cartoon that is used as advertising for the card game. I, yeah, the way art is made is so complicated. Right? It, it doesn't make zero sense sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it did celebrate the action of putting a card down, and that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Exactly. Like, if, a, if anime can do one thing, it is, it is to make mundane actions so dramatic. <laughs> to eat the potato chip. One thing, however, when it comes to picking and choosing what features to emphasize and not, one mm -hmm. thing I do not appreciate the anime taught me. What? Was the hidden eye. <laughs> you mean the eye showing through the hair? No, I'm talking about bangs over one eye. Uh. Only You only have to draw one eye. That was a curse. That was not a gift given to me. I did the same thing when I was younger. I had a character who I gave him a hood so that you just never saw his eyes. So it was just like the <laughs> shadow and then like a nose and a mouth. I was uh -huh. like, yes, this is how you this is how you draw people. It, it can work for the right character. But for for what I was doing, it wasn't a choice that I was making. That's it. That's the end of the sentence. It wasn't a choice I was making. It yeah. was a fear. It was it was motivated out of fear. And I don't know who taught me as a little bitty kid that the eyes had to be perfectly symmetrical. This fucking last year was the first time that I watched an artist render a face and uh, in her rendering talk about how you choose one of the two eyes to be the primary eye in the render. The other yeah. one doesn't matter as much. One like because when you're looking at the face, you're only really going to be looking at the one of the two eyes. So draw the the audience's eye to what you want them to look at. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And she drew this beautiful face, and I was like, this face is beautiful, and the left eye is a big smudgy mess, and that's okay. That's okay, ma'am. <laughs> she freed me. <laughs> was out of curiosity, was the face like straight on or was it like a three quarter angle? Like I will share it with you. Please free me. Free me from the con confines of drawing perfect eyes. Oh, OK. Yeah. So this is like a straight on face and the artist has chosen to focus more on one eye over the other and it totally works. Well, that's infuriating. Yes, it is. It's gone 31, almost 32 years thinking the opposite. Chris Hong Art, you have given us a gift. You have freed me from the confines of symmetry. 
<laughs> you have told me I am allowed to have a little smudgy eye and it's fine. And I say smudgy eye. I mean, her renderings are beautiful. Yeah. But you can definitely, and I'll post these on Twitter, so if you want to know what I'm talking about, I will share them there. You can definitely see that one of the eyes is given a lot more love than the other one. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't lose any of the impact. I just um, showed an image of a woman with an afro, and the eye and the darkness of the eye mm -hmm. Ooh, blends love. into the darkness of the afro. It's just, it's just like a value study. Oh, I love it. It's, it's one of those instances where your brain fills in the information that isn't necessarily captured in the drawing. Exactly. And that's so hard for me when I'm drawing to trust my own brain and to trust the brains of the people viewing my work because mm -hmm. I've got that insecure gene, right? That's like, no, you must draw all the lines that exist. All right, you're making this like enormous poster. Get in real close to that itty bitty <laughs> iris in the background and make sure that there's every little perfect light flick in there. Yeah, this... this artist it's almost like they're using atmospheric perspective on the face and it's really mm -hmm. cool yeah chris hong Wah. tasty stuff wow. good youtube series too good youtube videos what else have we learned that every protagonist has a tragic backstory <laughs> <laughs> i also think anime has allowed me to be more conceptual with with my art mm-hmm um, what do you mean by that? Like being exposed to Spirited Away at the age that I first saw it. It was, it, like I said last week, it broke my brain. It was, I had never seen something like that. And I think to some degree, um, you know, being able to kind of play around with, with characters and do things that, that were out of the ordinary was really intriguing and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I take that for granted. Certainly. And part of that might've been a cultural difference with, with spirited away with like some of the, you know, as I've gotten older, like knowing that in Japanese folklore, there's stuff like commies and, you know, these different spirits yeah. and things like that. But being, a tiny sheltered Midwestern child who hadn't been exposed to any of that ever before, didn't know any of that. And then seeing Spirited Away was just like, what is happening? It's baked in. Anime is not cartoons because it's produced in Japan. So that kind of a perspective is baked into that. And of course, a young sheltered boy and a young sheltered girl from the Midwest are going to be eyes blown open by this very different way of uh, imagining a mythic world. Yeah. In that paper that I read last week for, for research about how uh, our generation specifically was really drawn to anime, it talked about how there were a lot of cultural things in shows that when it got, you know, brought over to the U.S., that a lot of studios initially were worried that American kids wouldn't understand the relevance of some of the things. And I think in some of the earlier animes, they actually went in and changed out like traditional foods to be like a hot dog or something like that. And then over time, they realized that those cultural things that they were worried wouldn't resonate or wouldn't translate into into uh, the U.S. market. They realized it still translated, that kids picked up on it and they started to realize it. And they were like, oh, I know what that is. And that's clearly that's, you know, a normal everyday food. It's not something weird and bizarre. And then... You want to eat it. Oh, absolutely. And that's what happened to me. I was like, I'm sorry. Uh, the Pokemon donuts are actually called rice balls. <laughs> that <laughs> was the, a rice the ball. thing that was going through my mind the whole time I was just talking. <laughs> that, <laughs> that Pokemon rice ball that Brock makes. <laughs> Look at these donuts. Dongo, though. Dongo was the one that, that eluded me for the longest time. And Dongo is like a soft mochi cake in like the three... Uh, green, purple, and white balls mm -hmm. on a stick. And then it's like dipped in either oh. sugar or soy sauce or something. Yeah. 
that one, you see people eating them all the time in anime when they're yeah. doing like street festivals. And I, as a kid, I was like, what is it? What is it? I want to eat it so bad. What is it? And the, the um, pork filled dumpling that, mm-hmm. that Chihiro eats in Spirited Away when she's like crying and just, oh, it looks so, it looks like big, right? soft, chewy, wonderful thing. Yeah. I love living in LA because there is such a, grand presence of a lot of east asian cultures there's koreatown japantown chinatown um we just went to a polynesian restaurant like mm-hmm. i get it all and i can have it all and i can have my dango and eat it too <laughs> i'm jealous oh, it's the best. come visit i'll take you to all the all the haunts all yeah. the spots that is one thing i miss from living in boston because i had access to all all of that there too but columbus alas is not not quite big enough of a city for all of that i definitely take it for granted how much anime opened up my my mind Mm -hmm. the big thing i keep coming back to is cartoons for adults just the idea of these stories being told in this way that are more mature stories than um a little bitty cartoon. And I was such a good girl that my favorite shows were ones that had a moral lesson. Mm-hmm. And like Pokemon and Sailor Moon, at the end of every Pokemon and Sailor... Well, no. Did Pokemon do it? I know definitely Sailor Moon did it where they had like the voice actress for Serena talk to you about, in this episode, it was really difficult. And when I had called my friends, they came and they helped out. And so if you're having a hard time, you should call your friends. <laughs> it's Serena to the moon. And then she'd leave. <laughs> and I remember that being like a part of my personality where I was like, I'm somebody who likes things that have moral lessons. Yeah. And that's me as a child. <laughs> So this is like the world of cartoons that I I come from. And I know I'm talking about anime and Sailor Moon and Pokemon, but other mm-hmm. kids' cartoons tend to be that way where they're all, at least if you didn't grow up with cable, all your cartoons are, are meant to teach you something. Yeah. Um, and so when I discovered th- things that were, that didn't have black and white answers at the end, like Spirited Away, all of the Miyazaki films yeah. are not telling a clean story. They are sharing experience through the medium of animation. And then mm-hmm. at the end, as a kid, I was left feeling totally untethered. I'm like, yeah. what What was the point? Tell me what the point was. And he's like, I won't. And that's that's why I made it. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta know what the point is, baby. And I'm like, I don't think for myself. What? <laughs> I, love, I love that you mentioned that about it being uh, a gateway to realizing that it, it, cartoons aren't necessarily just for kids and that you can have... You know, cartoons and shows that were meant for adults, but still be animated Um, because I was just talking to somebody who came to me for advice on their art and they were using a lot of the phrases like, I feel like I need to learn how to draw more realistically because I want to go into this field and I feel like I need to do this and I feel like I need to do that. And then when I Mm -hmm. looked at the work that they gravitated to, all of the work that they gravitate to is more stylized and more of a cartoon and anime style. And I kind of stopped them at one point and asked them, are you, are you moving in the direction of realism because you feel like you should or because you want to? Yeah. And I think that is a huge lesson that anime can teach uh, kids when they're young and, you know, experiencing it for the first time. It's like, oh my God, like... If I like this enough, I could just do it even when I'm older and an, an adult. I mean, look at us. And it still resonates and it still has an audience. We've been employed by the great artist council, Roy, G, and Biv, to write Prophetic, the weekly artist newsletter, a super real and secret publication that proves that art talent is actually just magic. And the only way to know how to use it is to have a subscription. Subscription. Yeah, so this week, Roy G and Biv, they heard that we were talking about anime last week. And 
they decided that it would actually be a good idea to have some sort of uh, periodical, almost like a, you know, short little comic in the newsletter. And they've tasked us to kind of brainstorm ideas this week to submit to them. So I thought it would be fun to come up with our very own artist newsletter manga. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Do you know what four coma means? No. Please teach me. Let me look it up so that I know what four coma means. <laughs> A four coma manga presents four panels per comic strip that are traditionally the same size and stack on top of each other vertically. And they're typically oh. comedies. Okay. Perfect for us. That's what I was thinking. Because <laughs> not all, like if we're going to do the manga, then it also needs to fit into the newsletter. So I'm thinking like Saturday morning comic strip, but mm -hmm. also manga. So four coma feels like the way to go. Agreed. Now that I know what it is. I think we should brainstorm the character first mm. and kind of build out from around the character. So obviously this character should be an artist, but what's like the most dramatic art form that we could well, have? I don't, I don't care do? about that yet. We need to figure out that was very extreme. I'm sorry that I said I didn't care about that. I do care <laughs> about that. I just think that we're, we're jumping the ship. Okay. We need, we need to define, is this an everyman? Is this a, a professional, a working professional? Is this a child? Is this an old babe? Because I think the blank sheet anime protagonist, manga protagonist, is young boy, like 17-year-old boy. Yeah. Hapless, nice, means well, doesn't know shit. So do we, do we go with that? Or do we age them up? Do we make it a woman? Oh. <laughs> Really subvert expectations. Okay, I might have a crazy idea here. Okay. What if our main character is one of those little drawing mannequins and it can become any type of character from one week to the next? Andrew, you gotta make a decision. Okay. <laughs> you gotta commit to one decision. Because okay. then we can build what you've just done is you've said, OK, Beth, let's build a house. <laughs> but before we build the house, let's turn the ground into like melty, sudsy mud so that everything that we build can fall apart next week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's make let's make it a woman. Let's make it a woman. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> What if we made a mannequin who shapeshifts and changes and can be whatever we want? Every is that a, is that a good answer? <laughs> is that what you want? Is everything is every option what you want? I'm so red. Oh. I'm so so red. Because <laughs> you just so perfectly were like, hey Andrew, you know that problem you have where you like kind of aren't great at making decisions and 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 uh, committing. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, I know. <laughs> oh, it's tough love, my guy. Oh, it's so perfect, though. It's so good. Okay. Four comma manga strip, female protagonist. Yes. She's an artist. I agree. I think that makes the most sense. Okay. Does she have a pet? Yes, she has a pet. And I think it has to be a dog because of two of the two of us. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's fair. Do you want it to be like a, a weird pet, like a toucan? Ooh, toucan. That's kind of fun because it is colorful. That's true. Um, I like toucan. Fuck yeah, let's do toucan. I know, right? There's something about it that's very charming. It's a manga. So yeah. like the spirit of a dog, but it's a toucan. Oh, absolutely. Spirit of a dog and a toucan is great. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's a toucan named dog. <laughs> toucan named dog. <laughs> What medium does she work in? All mediums? No, no. Decisions. Decision. Good job. <laughs> Look at this. Growth. Um, I, I think a traditional medium is more fun to draw. True. Versus just drawing her always drawing on the computer or on the iPad. Toucan named dog. What type of medium would she work in? Well, how could a toucan help her... With her art, does the toucan like hold paint in its beak? Does the toucan bring her brushes? Does the toucan 
uh, cut paper for her. Ooh, she could be a cut paper artist, does like paper sculptures. She could be a, yep. Um, the toucan could also hold beads in its beak and just like bink, 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 bink. Oh, just like machine guns, like just shoots beads out of its mouth onto a string. Just imagining like anime style, like here's a string and just really dramatically you have like a bead come out of the mouth of a toucan. Just yeah, I've got it in my head that the the toucan has all the beads lined up perfectly in its mouth. And what she does with the needle, she just goes back and forth. Yeah. And and threads each one of the beads that the toucan holds up. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the toucan throws it up in the air all at once and it like is in the right orientation the the lines in the background the action lines (laughs) i don't know much about beadwork to depict a beadworking artist with a toucan that's true okay more of a um ink wash Ooh, the toucan could use its like it, it could like dip its tail in ink and almost like a big flat fan brush Ooh. All right, let's make her an ink artist. Yeah, I like that a lot. And it's not just her. It's her and the toucan. They are collaborators. It's got to have a voice. It has to talk to her. Maybe it's a magic toucan and she's the only one who can hear it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. To everyone else, it's just squawking. But to her, it's it's how we talk to our animals. Like, I talk to Cadence like she's a fucking person. Are you telling me that Cadence speaks to you with human language and no one else can hear it? No, but she looks at me and I just kind of go like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, because the way that you said that, you were like, that's how we talk to our animals. And I was like, you're magic? You're a magic anime boy? I wish. What color hair does she have? I feel like that's important. Okay, what color hair does she have? Maybe, ooh, split. One half, pink. Other Other half, half, yellow. yellow. (laughs) As it was written, so it shall be. <laughs> okay. I want her to have a anime style rival like Naruto, Sasuke, Ash and Gary, Sailor Moon and whoever Sailor Moon's antagonist is. <laughs> the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if she and her two count are like really colorful and things. Oh, Here's a weird one. Her and her toucan are colorful beings who work in black and white. And her rival is going to be like black hair, dark skin uh, with a raven who paints really colorful stuff. Oh, and the whole the animosity between them is because everybody confuses their work to be by the other one. That's great. (laughs) I like that a lot. And so the first the first episode is has to be episode. <laughs> the first comic has to be her developing her signature because it needs to be so obvious mm-hmm. that they don't get confused. So she starts off writing in her notebook her name and then she like crosses it out. And then the next one is the same notebook, but with like 10 signatures in it. Mm-hmm. And she's practicing and her the- signature. <laughs> I think the final joke of it should be that her signature is more complicated and robust than the actual piece itself. Like she spent so much more time (laughs) developing the signature. Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. Because then she has to commit to that. She has to do it every single time. Every single time. And the the toucan's like, this is a lot. (laughs) Boom. Now who's drawing it? Hi, I'm Beth, and you know that. But what you might not know is that I'm a Denik Notebook ambassador. So why? Well, back in 2018, my tax man told me I needed a planner, so I just went into an Office Depot and grabbed a cute one. It was made by a company called Denik, and that started one of the most long-term relationships of my life, because I liked that planner so much, I went ahead and bought five of their Stay Flat Notebooks. I signed up for their ambassador program because I was already telling people to buy them. No one asked me to make this ad. I had to look up what they're called, but I just love the classic lay flat notebooks. They have a Smith sewn binding so their spines look tidy on a shelf. 
They're the perfect A5 size. And most importantly, they do indeed lay flat on your desk, regardless of what page you're turned to. I've never had to fight these to get them to stop creeping closed while I'm writing. And Denick works with and pays a wide range of artists to create illustrations for their velvety soft covers. So... If you're in need of a notebook, planner, or even sketchbooks, head over to denik.com, that's D-E-N-I-K.com, and enter code BRAD, B-E-R-A-D, at checkout for 15% off your order. That's denik.com, find your favorite thing there, and then enter code BRAD at checkout for 15% off your order. Thanks. Back to the show. Hey, Beth. Yes, Andrew. Can I tell you about color? Give me what you, you, you got. What I got uh, is an article about anime and manga and color of characters' hair. Oh. And it actually talks about the tropes of how different colors cue different personalities. I see. And I thought it would be really fun to turn this into a game where I will list off three colors and then you tell me what kind of character you think it belongs to. So you could say something like, oh, that color usually belongs to a loud, headstrong leader type character. Okay. Or like, oh, that's a very mysterious, like brooding, quiet boy or something like that. Okay. And if you get one of these right, just one of them, you will win. I like those odds. First off, we're going to start with blue. Blue. I think blue-haired characters are smart and wise and uh, water-based. So go with the flow. Nerdy, easygoing. I'm really thinking a lot about Sailor Mercury with this one. (laughs) Um, they have main character energy, but they're not necessarily the main character. Like main characters wear blue, but their hair isn't blue. You know what I mean? I feel that. That's my guess. This article says on a general level, blue haired characters are usually special in one way or another and in a fantastical setting. They usually have some special abilities. Their personalities range from cute to calculated, but they are rarely on the team of evil in the world of anime. They're, they're special. Well, the first thing I thought of was um, when I was reading this for Blue was um, Botan in Yu Yu Hakusho. Because Botan is like the only character that they introduced at the beginning who has like bright blue hair and she's from the spirit world. And I was like, oh, the, yeah, the fantastical, like from a different world, not of reality character. And I think you touched on, you, you said uh, they tend to be like smart and very, you know, uh, intelligent. And I yeah. think, you know, that kind of falls in line with this description because they did say calculated, I think is close enough. I don't know. I don't if special is the defining thing about blue haired characters. I don't think I got it. Oh, here's another part. Blue-haired characters are also quite intelligent, and the best way to behave around them is to be as firm as them and not let your guard down as they will react to any sign of weakness whatsoever. I didn't get this, man. I didn't get this. Okay. I give myself a miss. (laughs) The next one is black hair. Special isn't a personality trait. Black hair? Yes. Well, in Japan, having black hair is very ordinary. But in a colorful anime world, man, it really goes one of two ways, right? Black hair is either uh, girl next door, chill, ordinary, unremarkable, Mm -hmm. or it's Samara coming out of the well. It's intense criminal thinking, schemey guy. Yeah. So what one do I do? Do I go with the pedantic ordinary or do I go with serious kind of spooky, intense character? I'm going to go with pedantic normal. So this article actually discusses what you just debated right there, really? which is how, yeah, it debated about how in Japan it's black hair is exceptionally normal. And then 
it says now what symbolizes something usual and natural in the real world is not necessarily the same in the world of anime and manga. <laughs> Did I, I write love this? How- <laughs> it was so funny watching you go through this process and sitting here like being like, she fucking read this? <laughs> because it also flips it and says black hair can also represent characters that are mysterious, refined, traditional, uh, powerful, cruel, or uh, macabre in some way. Yeah. And I feel oh, like you nailed hit it. all of those things. So <laughs> good job. You got Thank this you. one really good. Really yeah, well. I'll take it. <laughs> and then the third one, just for kicks and giggles, even though you've technically won the this game mm-hmm. uh, is going to be a purple. Purple hair. Yeah. Purple hair. Let me think of characters who have purple hair. Royalty. High, um, uh, not high value. What is it called? High status. Purple is mm-hmm. high status. Purple is um, classy, dignified, money. You, you, they got it. Did I get it? Let's find out. Okay. So it says they usually yearn for privilege and material possessions uh-huh. alongside that. Purple haired characters are often privileged, noble, elegant, restless, yeah! intriguing, <laughs> pompous, and or selfish. Yay! So congratulations. You, Beth B. Rad, are a fan of anime and it shows. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Although I need to pay a little bit more attention to the blue haired characters. See, what happened is I based it entirely on Sailor Moon and I should have thought about mm. Ryoko from Tenshi Muyo. I should have thought about police officer Jenny. Yes. Widen my net of data. I learned for the next two. You, you nailed it on the, the, the two after that first one. Thank you. I was expecting it. you to ask me what pink haired characters were going to be. And I was going to be like, ooh, ooh so cute. <laughs> Everybody loves her. Secretly kills you. I'm looking at our show notes and Andrew has put together a bunch of images that he says directly influenced his professional work. So he's effectively put together an anime influence mood board. So I want to talk about it. And I want to talk about how you came to these images, like, like why you chose these images so that when I put mine together and share it on Twitter, I will know how to do it. And if anyone listening loves anime and feels like it's influenced their work, they can also follow along and play with us online. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to go back and look at some of the animes that I watched growing up because it's stupid how how much these translate into what I currently do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the very first image in my little mood board is like an explosion and it has all these crazy jagged shapes of, of black emanating from this glowing orb of orange. And fuck, these shapes are shit that I put in my illustrations all the time. All the time. <laughs> and it's from Gundam Wing. Because for I loved that show, and for some reason, the animations of the explosions in that show were really cool to me, and they really uh, drew me in. and And I've caught myself drawing explosions like they they were represented in Gundam Wing. So this is what's called effect animation: smoke, yeah. fire, light, lasers, all of that is done by specialist animators outside of like the character animators. So uh, one shot isn't done by one person. Oftentimes it's done by a team and you really resonate with what effect animation looks like. Yeah. And I think in general, that's probably the strongest influence for me across the board is the effects within anime. Yeah. I was really loved uh, in Dragon Ball Z, um, Piccolo's special beam cannon with the fucking like straight line and then the curly cue like mm-hmm. pink beam around it. Uh, hyper beam in Pokemon, specifically from Lugia. I really love Lugia. <laughs> um, any character who like lost their shit and their energy level went through the roof and you had all the uh you know emanating energy coming from them and and affecting the world around them and the the ground and the environment and like the clouds and the smoke and it was just ooh, so good so what are the other i'm looking at three images here what are the other two images 
So the second image is from G Gundam, which if you haven't seen G Gundam is just a glorious hodgepodge of insanity because it's basically all the countries in the world have a Gundam and they just randomly go around and fight each other. And it's like a big old tournament, like soccer. G Gundam's my favorite Gundam. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but I love the effects in it again. It's with, a love you know, story. Shining man. finger. Uh, all those ridiculous attacks, the ridiculous designs of the Gundams. But again, in this one, I highlighted the, um, the, the exhaust or the jets coming out of the back of burning Gundam. I believe this one was called because <laughs> it's the upgraded version of shining Gundam. And it's flying at the camera and there, you can see in the background, there's a big explosion of water where, you know, it's thrust has kicked up the water and it's leaving this huge wake behind it. But then uh, on on its back and on its side, you have the little like smaller jets that are shooting out, um, you know, and propelling it forward. And I just love the shape of all of that. And I think it's such a cool, interesting way to animate uh, fire or represent fire and like uh, kind of thrust. Yeah. And then you have a manga frame from Naruto. Yes. And so this one I really like because the pacing of this manga page is so cool to me. It's so cinematic. I feel like in a lot of cartoons and comics, it's very just like, okay, only what needs to be shown. Whereas in this one, uh, in this scene, Naruto appears to the, he, he appears in a cloud of smoke back in the village and the village has just been decimated by this character named pain. And it's the super dramatic entrance. And I love how cinematic this manga page is because there's two, no, three panels where all they're doing is showing like details on Naruto, like a cape and the corner of the cape flicking in the wind. And there's another one that's of this big scroll that's on his back. And then there's another tiny shot of like his foot and another side character next to him. But it's cropped in super, super tight. So you don't even see the, that, that side character's face. And I just love how cinematic it is because you can just imagine a camera Michael Bay style rotating around Naruto as he just like po poofs in mm -hmm. in this huge cloud of smoke and it's just like boof and then like da 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 360 view and then boom face Naruto determined ready to fight let's go first shot of the eyes is that reveal at the end yeah so how does yeah. this translate to your work so I really love the smoke in the background of this one. And Effects. I love drawing swoopy smoke and stuff like that. I also really love um, the shot of Naruto in the first panel, which is kind of a worm's eye view looking up at him, making him seem really epic, larger than life. It's a clearly a hero shot, but it's not showing us his face yet. And I love doing hero shots like that. I love mm -hmm. doing uh, that worm's eye view effect. I'm doing it right now for my graphic novel. And then the last panel with the, you know, face shot revealing his eyes. Um, I love using close up shots of a character's eyes when I can. And working on this graphic novel, I've really gotten a chance to explore doing those sort of shots. And it's been so much fun to do. That's awesome. Yeah, I can see yeah. all three of these pieces <laughs> colored by you, you know? Yeah. So how did you find these to put it together? Um, it's It's been this journey over the last, I don't know, six, seven years where like I'll have these interactions with people and they'll say something that makes me have a revelation about my artwork and where it came from. And I was still working at Reebok at the time when somebody online mentioned something about the Reebok CrossFit poster that I had done for them at the time. And they were like, whoever did this really loved anime. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, you are right. You're definitely right. And then I started to think about it more. And, and I went back to some of those old animes. I've gone back to Gundam Wing. I have the full DVD set. I've rewatched it. I've watched the explosions in the background and been like, oh, fuck. I just... <laughs> Like 
lifted that off the screen <laughs> and placed it in my artwork. Um, and then more recently, towards the tail end of 2021, I got in a Yu Yu Hakusho uh, rewatch. And I loved the effects in that show because they're so goofy but Mm -hmm. in like the most fun way because it'll be like a static shot nothing's animated except for this like energy field around the character and it's just that for like 10 seconds and you're just like oh shit like one it's ingenious because that's the only thing animated nothing else in the scene is animated (laughs) spend a lot of 10 seconds is a long time to cover yeah. it with like three frames of animation <laughs> that rules and then the other thing too that i really love is just s- silly details like uh the character Tagoro has these really obnoxious sunglasses uh-huh. that like are fucking triangles and they go off his face and i even put those glasses on a character that i illustrated for this like sci-fi um cyberpunk board game that I worked on last year. And I was like, I'm gonna hide Taguro glasses in this. And I definitely like did that for one of the characters. <laughs> okay. So my homework now is to go through my own experiences, my favorite stuff, and pull screenshots of what's influenced me. And I can see like direct one-to-one translations from those things to the work that I'm making now. And I'll put that together in a little for a Forzer Borzer mood board on uh, on Twitter. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you want to share, you know, anime's influence on you, definitely throw together your own anime mood board and, you know, tag us in it. Because we'd love to see, like, what influences you and what drives you to create your art. Speaking of influences, I have an artist that I want to share <gasps> this week. Ooh. This artist shows up periodically, maybe like once every six months a piece of theirs will come into my life and I'll see it and I'll be like, oh my God. And I find myself (laughs) pulling their work all the time and putting it into mood boards. So when I'm working on my own stuff, I'm referencing how they do foliage and stuff. Uh, (laughs) Are you looking? Their name is Mako. (laughs) Their name is Mako. On Instagram, it's it's drive me away, troubled heart. And... All of their pieces are these little squares, these little natural tableaus of like fantasy greenery environments, caves and ruins and towns that are overgrown with leaves and foliage. Um, It's a lot of like like D&D medieval stuff, swords and warriors and fighters. Um, But it's kind of, we've talked about Haikala in the past where her work feels like... um, slice of life snapshots of of fantastical there's a truck behind me if you can if you've ever heard of guys i moved (laughs) there's so many (laughs) trucks behind me so we're just gonna work through the beep beeps um mako is also depicting these these sort of snapshot scenes of fantastical spaces in ways Mm -hmm. that feel so cozy and i want to explore these caves i want to smell the air in these pieces and it's really simple stuff like they're not doing a ton of rendering it's very flat very line art based it's right up my alley and the most recent piece that they posted is these these two warrior companions in the middle of the snowy city and uh it's this man who's holding this woman's body in his arms obviously when i read this i i think of like final fantasy and one of your party members just died and you haven't mm-hmm. cast the phoenix down or whatever um but he's mourning the death of a warrior companion in the middle of this snowy city with this like warrior statue looking away in the background and uh it the the place is a bit ruined but it's also mm-hmm. lived in and it's just such a thoughtful little space yeah and the colors are are all blues and greens and everything's so naturalistic i just love it it's it's fantastic and clicking through some of these images it reminds me of a lesson that i learned a long time ago and i forget who it came from and where it originated from but it makes me think of that saying that sometimes the most powerful image isn't at the climax of a scene or or something that's happening or that's happened in in an illustration, 
but the moment right before or the moment right after. Ah. And this makes me think of like, we just had the climax battle, this really intense moment, or like maybe this character who's injured, they just, you know, lost to this big bad character that disappeared right before their party member showed up. And we're catching that moment where the party member shows up to help. And then they have that like, (gasps) and then they like run over and scream the character's name and grab them in an embrace. And it's the most emotional part of that, that, that scene and that scenario. And so much of this artwork that Marco's done feels like that. It feels like the moment, like right before, right after the really intense fight or the, the, the adventure, the climax. And it's just, it's so cool. (laughs) Well said. The last thing I'll say, this, this artist relies a lot on ink work and line art. Mm -hmm. And something that I've noticed um, with my own work and with some other people's work is I'll see the line art by itself and I'll think, Oh my God, this is beautiful. And then I'll see the painted version of it. And a lot is lost. A lot of the detail and the sophistication of the line art feels like it becomes Mm -hmm. invisible in lieu of the color. Mako does not let that happen. I feel like the line art maintains its dignity, maintains its strength through the finished piece. And that's what I want to learn from them. Tweet at us, at your art friends, just like Jordan Parker did this week in response to our poll about anime and whether or not artists have anime phases or how many artists out there have anime phases. Jordan said, there is more than just anime? Only one phase, Jordan, you're right. Exactly. (laughs) Still in it. We're weebs through and through. (laughs) And you can also email us at yourartfriendspod at gmail.com. You can find me all over the internet at Beth B. Red. And you can find me at Schmandrew Art everywhere on the internet. And with that, we've come to the end of the podcast. Sometimes we were serious, and sometimes it was just tomfoolery. Shout out to fame to the 16th century. My tongue got... My tongue went away from me. But that's just what you get when two friends who met because of a shared love of making things and a bare ass hang out together. (laughs) I'm not going to take it again. That's good. Your Art Friends is a Moorpark Media production. Our music is by Andrew Smith. You can listen to his music on Spotify and iTunes under the name Makeshift Radio. 